Well, imagine being able to watch a new planet be born. How much could we learn? Well, scientists have observed a planet about nine times the mass of Jupiter, apparently at a remarkably early stage of formation. And I'm going to quote here because I don't know this as fact, and we will talk to someone in just a second who does. It is a gas giant orbiting unusually far from its young host star. Gas giants are planets, like our solar system's largest ones, Jupiter and Saturn, composed mostly of hydrogen and helium, with swirling gases surrounding a smaller solid core. And evidence suggests, and we will ask about this, it is the earliest stage of formation ever observed for a gas giant. We will ask the man who's responsible for that very quote, now astrophysicist Thane Curry of the Subaru Telescope and the NASA Ames Research Center and lead author of the study on this new forming planet in nature astronomy. Thank you so much for your time tonight, Thane Curry. Well, thank you very much for uh, inviting me on. This is fascinating. I'm sure it's very complicated in many ways, but simply we are watching a new planet being born, I understand. Exactly. So you know, we've identified about 5,000 extrasolar planets around nearby stars in the last quarter century. And most of these are in solar system scales. And most of those planets we think um, were probably formed in a similar manner in which these solar system planets were formed. You know, so the Earth and um, Mars and such, you know, they were formed by the uh, gradual growth of dust to pebbles to then boulder-sized objects, and they uh, collide together to form things you know, the size of the Earth and, and, and the terrestrial planets. The gas giants typically take a, an additional step where they grow large enough, massive enough, that they create a gaseous envelope around them, around that core. So that's called core accretion. We think that we have found, uh, we've been able to peer into the earliest stages of planet formation around the star called AB Auriga. And in fact, it looks like this particular protoplanet uh, might uh, have been formed in a way entirely different than any of the planets in our own solar system. Yeah, tell me about that, because that is one of the interesting things about the articles that have been put up, including one on the Subaru Telescope website, uh, that it may call into question, or at least not call into question, but allow us to advance our understanding of how these planets are formed. Well, I think it shows that, you know, there's more than one way to cook an egg, as I've said, said in other contexts, <laughs> right? Indeed. Yeah, so so this, this, this protoplanet is bizarre, you know, so... You know, the distance between the sun and um, Neptune is about 30 times the distance from the sun to Earth. You know, so 30 AU, as, as we say in astronomy. Uh, this particular protoplanet, uh, this thing that we identify as a protoplanet, is three times the distance between the sun and Neptune. Wow. You know, the um, Jupiter is 11 times, the, roughly 11 times the size of Earth. You could fit over a thousand Earths inside of a Jupiter. For, the, you know, for this for this protoplanet, we think that we could fit 27,000 Earths inside of it. So it's a really bizarre thing that really has no frame of reference in our own solar system. And if you look at other aspects of the images that we've collected with the Subaru Telescope and the Hubble Space Telescope, it really suggests that there may be an entirely different physics responsible for forming this planet rather than um, as, as opposed to the other planets that we know about in our own solar system. Because we don't actually have that many examples of watching planets being born, I gather. Right. So we've tried to look for, for direct images of protoplanets, the so planets that are still in their, their stages of assembly, still growing. We try to do that um, depending on who you talk to, sometimes somewhere between about 10 or 15 years now. This is only the second example we have thus far of a, of a direct image 
of a system with protoplanets. The other one that we have is around a more of a normal system. You know, so those are two protoplanets around a star, roughly comparable in mass to the sun, where the planets are orbiting at roughly you know, the distance between the sun and Uranus or the sun and Neptune. So that, that we can sort of wrap our heads around that one. And they've cleared out you know, this cavity of gas and dust. So it, it, that kind of comports to our, our sort of um, uh, canonical model for how gas giant planets form. This thing is entirely different. Again, as you mentioned, it is absolutely massive, and it's a very long way from its from its star. I mean, how do you continue then to watch it evolve? What happens now? You have to have a lot of patience. So, to give you the context, yeah, no doubt. Yeah. We, we've we've collected. You know, most astronomers when they try to to directly image a planet around a star, they do a couple things. You know, they so they target a lot of stars. Maybe they find a point nearby. And then they have to demonstrate that it act, that point is actually not a background star. And then they try to get more information about it at a range of wavelengths to be able to figure out what kind of atmosphere it has. Um, in that process, you know, typically that can take like a year or two years or so. Uh, we had to we collected data over 13 years worth for this system because it's so far away from its star. It's moving very, very slowly. So you have to be really patient to be able to identify you know, evidence that is actually orbiting. And to make matters worse, it's embedded in a disk which has a lot of strange structure. It has a lot of spiral arms, almost looks like a galaxy in a way. Wow. And so it actually turns out it's really, really difficult for those, these types of systems uh, for trying to look for protoplanets embedded in disks to make sure that you're not seeing some weird structure in the disk that is not moving. Okay, so we had to be really patient. And in the future, now that we've identified this, you know, we, we're on a roll, right? So now we can look at it at different wavelengths. Uh, we can look, uh, look even closer to the star, maybe see there are other planets. We can even possibly look uh, with the James Webb Space Telescope in the future. Right, of course, which was just launched. Um, uh, you you did find this. I mean, the the, the process of it, of watching this did start a while back, right back in in, in the early two thousands. Yeah. So so the first data for Abiariga from the Hubble Space Telescope goes back to nineteen ninety nine. The wow. first data set where we have a detection of this uh, this thing that we 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 think is a protoplanet is from two thousand seven. Um, but I only actually I started on this work in two thousand sixteen. This paper has taken five years to write. Um, it's, been, it's been one where I actually went from being an, a skeptic of that, that, that this, what we're seeing has anything to do with the planet to essentially to a believer as evidence accumulated. And we became sort of forced into, a, into the conclusion that the evidence supports interpreting this as a protoplanet instead of something else. What is it like? <laughs> To have that eureka moment, then I mean, I don't imagine it was a maybe it was a, a long forming eureka moment, but it must be it must be fairly life changing to think you've discovered something like this all of a sudden in the course of your work. Well, it's it's, it's special, I think, you know, to to know that there's something that you know about the universe, you know, there's something really big and wonderful and bizarre about the universe that nobody else knows. That that's your in a sense that's your secret, and you have to sort of like struggle between. You know, wanting to tell the whole world about it as soon as you know about it, but also, you know, having scientific rigor and, and checking all the boxes, making sure that you're dotting your I's and crossing your T's and you've done all the analysis that you need to do. You know, to be your own, your own sort of referee, your own, or own um, um, doubter in that, in that way. I think that's sort of healthy. And so that sort of tension between, you know, having the excitement of, of 
of discovering something wanting to tell everybody, but also tr- having to show restraint that, that uh, uh, it takes some practice to, 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 to find the right balance between those two extremes. Um, so it took you five years to, have you embarked on, on the follow-up to this paper already? Is it all that, is that already in the works or are you waiting now? So there is a second paper that's, that's under review now that explains oh, wow. some of the techniques that we actually use uh, to be able to, um, uh, to be able to interpret this system. As I said, this is extremely difficult because you have, um, you're trying to determine that this, this point of light that you see, this blob that you see, is a protoplanet and not a piece of the disk. And it actually turns out we need a couple of, of new tools in our arsenal to be able to really um, tell the difference. I mean, one is that we need dedicated planet imaging instruments. And so we have one on the Subaru telescope called Skuxio, which is basically the Subaru chronographic extreme adaptive optics system. It's an adaptive optics system that corrects for blurring of the atmosphere 2,000 times a second on the best site on the planet for imaging other, other planetary systems. But even then, we had to develop new tools. And so one of these is, is this very special, complex um, image processing or analysis tool that the second author on this paper, uh, who's just a PhD student defending his thesis on Monday, uh, developed. <laughs> yeah. That, that's, that's quite the... Um, <laughs> so he has to defend his PhD on Monday as well. Um, yes. <laughs> that's remarkable. If, if, if I've, I mean, I've been to, to Hawaii, Big Island. It is, and past where it is, it is remarkable how... You know, it's remarkable that spot. Uh, if anyone ever gets a chance to go, um, I, I guess then the question is, what should we expect next? When should we expect more information uh, about about this new planet? So, I th- I think what what you what you would expect to see are a couple of things. One is uh, a you know su- you know successor papers trying to understand this protoplanet in a little bit more detail. So, looking at different wavelengths, and so we can actually. S- start to figure out whether or not this planet is still growing, whether it's still accreting uh, material or whether you know, it's sort of stalled at, at, its, at its sort of early, early stage and exactly how fast is, is it growing. Um, so that's something that we might try to investigate. The other thing is that, you know, this, you know, from, um, from most planet formation theories, uh, this, is a, it, this, is a strange, you know, this is a strange object. Um, it's, it would seem like this is a difficult planet to form, yet it did. But what about planets on solar system scales? And so we might want to look a little bit closer to the star to be able to, to look for those. But the other thing I'm really excited about is that it spurs new, um, develop, new research subfields. You know, so I've already gotten, you know, had exchanges with theorists who are like trying to understand um, what we are seeing in different um, iterations or different, di- different modifications to even the standard planet formation models. And so that's really exciting to, to see how, you know, it, you have a discovery then that, that spurs other people to develop, to develop their own research and make their own discoveries. It's always fascinating how much we've learned in, in quite a short period of time about, about these things, given a lot of factors. But thank you so much. I look forward to, uh, to an update, uh, Thane Curry. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a, a, a lot of, um, this was a, a lot of fun to do, and I think it really provides, you know, a context for our own, you know, for our own solar system. It just shows that, you know, the, the, the solar system is one of many possible outcomes, 
And, um, you know, the way in which planets are formed can be widely varied. The Earth is just a small part on the scene. Uh, we, I'm feeling small right, feeling small right yeah. now. Thanks so much, Thank Curry. I appreciate it. All right, thank you very much.